Hello, everyone. Welcome to this edition of the Freedom Caucus podcast. I'm Jody Heiss coming to you from our nation's capital, and we welcome you aboard. Glad to have you with us. Let's jump into it. I've got an exciting program today, one that's very near and dear to my heart, and I'm sure to many of yours as well. I, I think most Americans, if you if you ask your neighbors, your friends, I believe you will find that most people that you talk with have been deeply disturbed by the fact that the debate about life has shifted. The pro-life argument has shifted from protecting the rights of the unborn to now we are literally debating the rights of babies that have already been born. Should those babies who are born alive be protected if the parents don't want them? And listen, one of the reasons I came to Congress in the first place was to be a voice for the voiceless. I deeply believe in the sanctity of human life, the value of every human life. And I believe that our country has a moral obligation to protect the most vulnerable individuals, that being babies. Now, it's important for us to remember, let's just go back in time. You, you know this already, but let me just kind of rattle uh, the cobweb, so to speak. Just remember that Congress never voted to allow abortion on demand. This all came about from a 1973 Supreme Court decision. It was the courts who implemented this so-called right to end human life. Now that to me in itself is the height, the zenith of judicial activism. It's in essence the courts making law and bypassing the legislative branch of our government. That's judicial activism. Now, since that time in 1973, things have just gotten worse. They've gone further and further to the left as it relates to this whole issue of life. For example, back in January, and this is what brought all of this to light nationally with a whole new momentum, if you will, back in January, the Democratic governor of Virginia literally suggested that an infant born alive after a failed abortion could be killed or that baby could simply be left to die without any medical care or treatment. And our nation was stunned by that position. I mean, that's the same vein, if you will, of supporting a bill that would have legalized abortion up to the moment a child is born. And now we're talking about possibly even after the child is born. So in response to this, Republicans in Congress have been calling for a vote on a bill that would prohibit this kind of barbaric practice. We've been calling for a bill to protect babies who have been born alive from being harmed or to be left helpless. The born alive bill as we know it. And the Democrats of Congress have prevented this bill from coming up for a vote more than 60 times. More than 60 times. The left-wing radicalism that's on display here in Washington, D.C. has been astonishing. Now, previously, I had Ralph Norman from South Carolina on this program with me, and I, I mentioned how Illinois and New York State both now have similar laws to Virginia, uh, and the, the, the whole controversy that, that came forth from Virginia. And as a result, we are watching more and more states 
who are now coming on board. Uh, and, and it's alarming. Even though Congress is uh, massively divided on this issue, to say the least, we do have a president who consistently has come to defend life. Since the beginning of this administration, President Trump has taken numerous executive actions to protect life. He has been aggressive in appointing judges to the federal judiciary who, who defend the rights of the unborn. Uh, and we have seen this. Uh, the Trump administration's, uh, they, they finalized a rule for Title X, for example, that uh, cuts millions of dollars from Planned Parenthood. This administration has been uh, with, with a clear voice. They have made it known where they stand on the issue of life. And so while Democrats have been unwilling to deal with the radical pro-abortion view that they have, the administration and many states have taken action to protect unborn babies. Um, and this is happening all across the country. At least 12 states have virtually banned abortions uh, under almost all circumstances. After six weeks of pregnancy, for example, my own state of Georgia banned abortions uh, from six weeks on based upon when a baby's heartbeat can be detected. And that's about six weeks. And so, you know, I was incredibly honored personally, by the way, to be uh, behind Governor Kemp while he signed that bill in Georgia. And it just makes me uh, unbelievably proud uh, to be a part of the Peach State. But, but what has happened as a result of what happened in Georgia, defending life in many other states? I can tell you from Georgia, uh, we now have Hollywood that have suggested that they're going to stop filming uh, in Georgia because of the heartbeat bill that we passed. There have been a number of movie stars and celebrities who have come out saying that they're going to boycott Georgia, even though they're happy to film in places like China, where, I mean, so many atrocities taken place there. I mean, there's been over a million people in concentration camps for crying out loud in China. And yet these Hollywood movie stars are willing to go there, but they're not wanting to come to Georgia, wanting to boycott Georgia, Georgia because of our heartbeat bill. There was, there was literally a group of about 100 or so corporations that actually put up an ad in the New York Times saying that abortion was good for business. I mean, imagine this. Now, I don't know how many people in Georgia saw that ad, but I, know, I do know uh, that our state uh, and, and many others are simply not going to be intimidated by the tactics of Hollywood and those across the country who are in favor of killing babies, be it born or unborn. So the, the hypocrisy on display is just, uh, is pretty much, I guess, we, we've come to expect a lot of this type of hypocrisy, willing to go to places like China, but boycott our own, our own uh, states here, uh, because of their pro-life position. But I have to tell you, it's still alarming to see supposedly apolitical companies that are now arguing that abortion is necessary for their various business models. I mean, uh, really? Now, this whole battle started in the courts, and I believe that the next fight, likewise, is going to be in the courts. Most of these bills on, that are passing in the states 
uh, have been or they're going to be subject to federal injunctions, meaning that they'll not go into effect until the lawsuits are, are, are ultimately decided. And we are headed for a collision, a crash course, if you will, at the Supreme Court level where five members who supposedly are conservative majority in the Supreme Court now, they are going to decide whether or not the practice of abortion will continue to be permitted in our country or not. So listen, I believe that we all share a, a duty, a universal duty, if you will, to protect the lives of unborn children as, as we're trying to foster hope and opportunity for all Americans. And I, I, I wholeheartedly believe that protecting the born and the unborn is a fight worth having. And I will certainly continue to do everything in my power to defend the sanctity of life. Joining me today to talk about these issues is what's happening on the state level as well as here in Congress is a good friend, Russ Fulcher. He's one of the newest members of the Freedom Caucus, uh, currently represents the 1st District of Idaho, and we are honored honored to have him. Russ grew up as a, on a dairy farm in Meridian. He's got three wonderful children. Before coming to Congress, uh, he was in the technology sector, so he's one of these guys actually sold uh, products from Idaho in about 60 countries around the world in every state in America. Uh, we are thrilled that he is a part of the Freedom Caucus and part of Congress. Russ, thank you so much for joining us. Glad to have you today. Oh, my pleasure. Just thank you for having me. This gives me an opportunity to, to share just a little bit and also to uh, hear some of the things on your mind today. Well, we've got a lot, you know, and this whole issue, the, the battle of life that, that we are facing both here in, on the federal level as well as the state level is something that uh, I, I, in the recent months has become a major topic across the country. And I want to get some of your take on some of the, these issues that are happening on the state level. You, were, you served in the Idaho State Senate uh, for a number of years, and as a member there, you certainly were viewed as a leader on the life issue. So uh, let's talk about some of the, the efforts that you were involved in while you were there in the Idaho Senate. I think if we go back over the course of time when, when I served, I, I, I don't, well, I don't think that there was another member in the Idaho legislature that ran more pro-life legislation. That was one of the things that was very important to me, still is very important to me. Not all issues are created equal. Uh, this is, uh, it's one thing to go debate tax policy or infrastructure uh, financing or whatever. It's another thing to, to talk about life. Right. That gets to the core of who we are as a people. That gets to a core of, of our value system. And uh, I think it's just paramount that we support life. Absolutely. And, you know, this is a good time. There is a, a movement across the country because of what happened in Virginia and New York and uh, you know, the, the whole battle right now, it may even here in Congress, 60 some odd times we've tried to get born alive passed and we've not been able to do that, which is unbelievable to me that we can have a baby actually born alive sitting there on the table and we're going to watch it die. It just, but that has gained momentum. Uh, wouldn't you agree that we're seeing a, a shifting in the positive direction across the country? I, I do believe we're seeing that. I was fortunate to uh, participate, as I believe you were, uh, early on in this session at the uh, at, at the week for life, I forget the exact name of it, but I was up the on march the march for life. The march for life. That's right. I was up on the stage, and 
uh, I was looking out uh, down the, the Capitol Mall, and as far as the eye could see was a sea of, of people. And they weren't there uh, for tourism purposes. Oh, no. They were there to support life. And I don't know if you remember this, but that was the week that the, uh, there, was, there, was a, well, there was a government shutdown. And so even like the museums and things were closed. Nobody could say that people came to Washington, D.C. for tourism that week. They came for the March for Life. There is a movement. And I believe that the, the popular position, the, uh, the, the correct position, and the, that movement is going in the right way, and that's in support of life. Absolutely. And, you know, we're seeing a number of state legislatures across the country that are, they've made really significant steps in the area of life this past uh, session, my home state of Georgia with the heartbeat bill, uh, and a number of other states. Uh, so what's your take on this? What, what's happening in the states? Well, Idaho did something similar. Right. And, mm -hmm. and so there is that movement. I think that this is going to continue to percolate back to the states. And this is just a theory, but I believe that there is a, um, a, a growing understanding or a, a, a growing support that the Supreme Court will, in fact, re-engage on the Roe versus Wade decision in, uh, from 1973. There is that possibility that it will be reversed. As a result of that, the stakeholders on this and those who are involved with activism, quite frankly, on both sides, are re-engaging at the state level. The other thing I would say, not to, to drill too deeply on it, but I think this underscores the uh, kind of the, the, the culture war that we are in this nation. There is, a, there is a secular type of worldview. There is a Christian type of worldview that is at the root of this battle. Abortion is, is a foundational uh, block of that battle. And that's what we're seeing right now. And, and you and I face it at the federal level. Our colleagues at the state level are facing it there, and I think that's going to continue to rage. Well, there's no question. At the, at the end of the day, what we're facing, in my belief, is a spiritual battle. Uh, we are literally fighting for the soul of our country, and as you so uh, clearly stated, I mean, the, one of the building blocks of that is the whole issue of life. You know, and you mentioned a while ago that we've got um, uh, both sides are highly engaged on this issue on the state level. I mentioned a moment ago, 180 or some odd different companies took out an ad in the New York Times saying that abortion was good for business. I mean, how do you, so we've got this, you know, here Republicans up here in Congress, we typically work with businesses on lowering taxes and all these kinds of things. But now all of a sudden we are watching businesses step up opposing life. What's your take on that? Abortion is not good for business. Abortion is business. And, and I, I think that uh, um, that's something that, that a lot of people don't understand. There is an industry that is wrapped around this whole uh, uh, abortion issue. And there is a lot of money made as a result of, of abortions. And there's a lot of, ta unfortunately, in my opinion, for sure, there's a lot of taxpayer dollars that are steered into the so-called uh, health planning environment, which of course is not. It's uh, it's the abortion industry. For for companies to pander to that, I, I think is just flat out wrong. Here here um, 
these, these companies do business in the greatest economy in the world. They are given the privileges of operating in uh, the United States of America that was founded on, on uh, generally free market principles. And then to pander to a, a, a specific demographic, which frankly I believe is in the minority, uh, is just wrong. Well, to, uh, never should we look in this country as the death of a child as a commodity, as something uh, upon which a profit should be made. But that is, I think you hit the, the nail right on the head with that. And I, I think that probably drives home the reason why the Democratic Party right now is uh, pushing for abortion in every way, not allowing us to vote on born alive, uh, trying to get rid of the Hyde Amendment, trying to reverse Mexico City policy, on and on we could go with these kinds of things. If I can just interject Sure, one please thing. do. Would you have ever thought it possible that we would have to struggle to get the born alive bill even heard in the United States Congress? That, that uh, it would even be a debate that... Um, uh, that we need to put law in place to protect a baby that's actually been born. But not only is it a debate, we can't get that bill heard in the United States Congress right now. Would you ever believe that? No, I wouldn't. I mean, we're talking a baby that's that has every right in the world to be protected. And uh, even the thought, I cannot even wrap my mind around the the mentality that it is okay to kill that baby that has been born alive, and yet 60 times now, we've not uh, been able to, to get a vote on that uh, in spite of trying so much. It's just, uh, it's un unreal to me, but I do believe that what you're pointing out right now is probably uh, a large factor in why the states are stepping up to the plate and getting involved because they're seeing the inability on the federal level to get this across the finish line. I believe that's right, and I think the life battle extends not just on the on the front end of life, in the womb. I, I believe that it extends to the end of life because uh, there's also uh, increasing debate on topics like assisted suicide, euthanasia, those types of things. But once again, I'll go back to your comment earlier. This is spiritual uh, uh, battle. This is a, a culture war. And uh, and life is a, is one of those foundational components of it. And and I think that's why that's why there's so much attention on that right now. Where do you see this ultimately playing out, Russ? Uh, the the battle with abortion, the battle with infanticide, the battle with euthanasia, assisted suicide, all of this wrapped up together. Where do you see this going uh, in the long run? What's the uh, Supreme Court? I think ultimately is going to have to hear this. Uh, but what do you think is going to happen? Well, I, I believe that that how we as a people, how we as a citizenry, how we as a nation address this and how we ultimately deal with it will dictate our destiny. Because um, it, it, once again, reflecting back on this cultural, spiritual battle, if you, if you don't side with life, if you can think about it for just a moment, if you can justify killing a baby, if you can justify terminating someone's life in uh, elderly stage, you can pretty much rationalize just about anything. Anything. And so I believe that is going to dictate the destiny of this nation. And being generally optimistic and, a, and a, frankly a person of faith, I see that, that I, I believe that ultimately 
those of us who are in this fight to promote life at all stages are going to prevail. I, I believe in, in, the, in the goodness there that will ultimately prevail. That's not to say it won't be very, very contentious, very, very messy along the way. But um, there's always going to be places around the country where it's, where, where it's condoned. Even if the 1973 decision gets reversed, the, the, uh, the, the, abortion, the abortion issue will revert to states again. There's going to be those places. But as a whole, I have to believe that uh, uh, the, the positive things will, will prevail. Well, I'm thrilled to hear that, and I totally agree with you. Even if, if, if Roe v. Wade is overturned, the battle is not going away. We're still going to have to stay vigilant and stay on top of this issue. I know we've only got a couple of minutes left, and we're going to have to start landing the plane. Uh, just for our listeners to get to know you a little bit more, what has been your experience here in Congress compared to the, the state legislature? It is, it is much more polarized. It is uh, much more intense. Uh, once again, coming out of the legislature at the state level, uh, we had many of the same issues, many of the same confrontations, but on a much, much, much smaller scale. Uh, there, of course, the Republican and Democrats are the primary parties, and uh, we always figured out a way at the state level to find a lot of common ground. And, and we engaged. And I think one of the things that's been the most disappointing at the federal level is we've got a Speaker of the House who currently just doesn't want to engage on some of these discussions. And because of personal feelings with a, with a president or conflicts with their own caucus, and if, you can't, if you're not willing to even come to the table and talk, then it's difficult to come to, to a resolution to find common ground. And so that's probably the, the most stark uh, difference that I have seen so far. Yeah, this hyper-partisanism, if you will, is destructive for our country. It, it prohibits us from addressing the issues that are important to our nation. I couldn't agree with you more. What about, as a freshman, what are some of the things you're working on? In our state, there's a, a, a tremendous amount of federally controlled land almost two-thirds, and we're a very, very wealthy state when it comes to resources. And so we, we have everything. We, we've got timber, we've got uh, minerals, we've got uh, rich grazing land and ag land. But the way the, the uh, uh, statehood transpired for the Western states, or at least a lot of them, was that that was maintained primarily by the federal government. And so uh, that has embroiled itself into many, many facets of living in Idaho. And, and there's issues with uh, Forest Service and, and Bureau of Land Management, all those types of things, EPA regulations, where it's, it's really touched just about everyone in our state. So a lot of the, of the things that I work on have to do with that. Of course, the, the abortion issue will also be at the top of that list. Infrastructure is different in a state where you've got a lot of federal control because it's tra uh, transportation, for example, goes across federal land and that needs to be uh, interacted with at the federal level. So um, those are the issues I tend to get involved with. We're running several pieces of legislation that address that in the hopes of trying to get a little bit more control at the local level or working with agencies directly since our speaker won't hear uh, or allow some of our right. legislation to be heard. But those are the main things that I'm working on. Well, you are a great member of Congress, a great member of the Freedom Caucus. Uh, you, you serve on ed education and labor 
uh, as well as you and I together serve on the Natural Resources Committee. Uh, and I just thank you, Russ Fulcher, so much for joining us here on this podcast. It's a great honor uh, to have you here and, and to have you as a member of Congress. If I could just close my comments by saying thank you and those involved uh, with Freedom Caucus and, and others that are in this fight for the right reasons. You're an encouragement to me. And so uh, I want to thank you and, and uh, we'll be working on a lot of things together moving forward. Absolutely, we will. Well, listen, folks, our time is out for the day. I want to thank you so much for joining us. If you have a moment, we would really appreciate if you would rate and review uh, this program and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and follow us on SoundCloud as well. Also, remember to follow us at Facebook.com slash Freedom Caucus and through our Twitter handle at Freedom Caucus. Until next time, this is Jody Heights, the Freedom Caucus podcast, signing off. Have a great day. 